Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to City Beautiful Church. And today is the third Sunday of Christmas. Um, You know, as Christians, we have this whole magnificent parade of holidays kind of for the beginning of our year as we start telling Jesus' story all over again. We had the four Sundays of Advent where we're looking at these different themes, hope, and peace, and joy, and then finally love. We like the fifth candle here, the white candle on Christmas, as the symbol of all those things being met in Jesus. And now we enter into what's known as the 12 days of Christmas that lead up to Epiphany. And so today is actually day three, which we were just talking about, I think equates to three French hens. Uh, for those of you who are trying to impress uh, your lady friends with some avian companions, um, I don't exactly know where you get those, but uh, uh, all the best of luck to you. Um, it also happens to be the last Sunday of 2020. And many of you even tuning in right now are just thinking, yay, and then you realize that doesn't really mean anything in terms of what we've been going through this year. Um, but it's still important that we have symbols and rhythms in our calendar that, again, help us to, to ground us in the truth of who God is and in the story of Jesus so we can allow truth and story to interpret the world around us. And so in our community for the past several years, we've taken this Sunday, the last Sunday of the year, and created it as kind of a testimony Sunday, where before we enter into the new year, where we ask the Lord for vision for each of us individually, which will be on January 10th, where we unveil the vision the Lord has given our uh, leadership team, and that'll be on January 17th, Um, Before we do all the vision, looking into the future, let's go, let's go, let's go, we want to pause and we want to reflect on this past year, not just to commiserate on all of the difficult things that we've experienced, although that is very important that we're honest with what we've gone through, but on a much deeper level to remind ourselves of what it is that God has said and done in this year. Uh, Because slowing down to remember All that God has done gives us courage to face the future. We see this time and again in Scripture where people slow down, they remember, they tell the stories, they share experiences, and that almost gives them a platform of gratitude to believe, okay, God has done it once before, he's going to do it again in an even greater numbers. And I think what I love so much even about this Advent Christmas season is that it helps us to live in that space. We look back and we remember what God has done in the first coming of Jesus in a way that it gives us confidence to anticipate with hope his second coming. Because Advent is about remembrance and expectation, living in creative tension with one another to keep us suspended between these two moments in a way that we learn to be more and more faithful to God day by day, that we're not just wondering about through history, but we actually ground ourselves in his story and seek increased faithfulness as we move forward into his future. And one of the places that I see that in one of our Christmas readings is actually from Luke chapter 1. This is what we call Mary's song. So um, an angel of the Lord appears to Mary 
says that she's going to be the one to bear the Messiah, the savior of the whole world. She's kind of blown back by this at first, but in, she trusts what the angel is saying because more than her own feelings of insignificance, she trusts the way that God sees her. Um, she goes and she meets with her cousin Elizabeth, who's also pregnant um, with Jesus' cousin, John, who becomes John the Baptist. And uh, Elizabeth prophesies over Mary and kind of reinforces what she's hearing from the angel. And then Mary proclaims uh, this song. And I love this song, so I'm going to read this here in just a moment. But um, if you want, I'd encourage you just to close your eyes and allow the Lord to give you some imagery that might go along with a thing that Mary is singing. Uh, so this is Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has remembered his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I love that Mary's response to what God is doing is not to just necessarily make it about her, although I do love that she starts off saying, he's been mindful of me, which is kind of like a, a way, a biblical way of saying, oh, he, he noticed me and he considers me worthy. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But Mary puts in context this prophecy from the angel that's validated by her cousin Elizabeth in the context of God's story. And she worships out of that place that God has done all these things generation after generation. He's taken care of the humble. He's provided for the poor and the needy. He showed up for Abraham and generation after generation time. And again, just as he promised. And she sings this over herself in a way to give her confidence and courage to say, my goodness, if this is what Yahweh has done in the past, he's going to do it again. And this baby that I am carrying is the vehicle through which he's going to save the entire world. And you can see how important it is for us to pause, to reflect, and to worship. Because that's where we find the courage to keep going. And it's when we get so caught up in the moment or where we lose, where, where we don't exercise those muscles of divine gratitude that either we take it upon ourselves that we're the ones that have achieved everything in our lives that we deserve or that we have failed somehow when we didn't do this and we didn't do that and we start playing that game of trying to rewrite history as if we had gotten it right. But to pause, to worship and reflect grounds us deeper in God's faithfulness to us so that we can be more faithful to him. And so what I want to do is I want to just briefly recount our year as City Beautiful Church. Just some of the, the, the concepts that we were talking about and what we experienced in that. And by no means is exhaustive of everything that God has done in our community. But as I'm telling this story, I want you to be in that posture of gratitude and worship where you're remembering what God has done for us as a community, but also for yourselves. And then um, after I recount these, we're going to actually hear from some people in our community about what God has done for them in 2020. 
So we began the year with our vision, maturing in Christ for the sake of the world. Um, then in October 2019, our leaders came together, we worshiped, we prayed, we sought the Lord's face, uh, and, and I kind of gathered all of what everyone was feeling like they were hearing from the Lord. Um, and as I prayed through it toward the ends of last year, I really felt there was a lot in there about maturity, about us growing up, um, about us leaving behind uh, childish ways and stepping more into owning our faith um, as adults. But not only is it just about us becoming more mature, it's also about us becoming more mature because we've got a job to do, because God has given us a task of partnering with him to rescue the world. And so as we often do at the beginning of every year, after we lay out the vision for the year, is we allow one of the gospels to gather us into the story of Jesus um, that we start there and then we go wherever he leads. So whenever I receive vision from the Lord for our calendar year, I may only have a couple months sketched out of where we're going to go because I want to kind of keep it um, open and available that whatever the Holy Spirit shows us, we might change direction or spend a little bit more time in one area or a little bit less time in another. And we want to keep flexible as a spirit-led church in that regard. And so I felt strongly like God was calling us um, to center on the gospel of Luke, but to really look at Jesus as uh, the fully mature one. So the, that first series was called Original Jesus. And our question into following the story of Jesus is, he is the truly human one. Not only is he fully God, but he's also fully man. And so when we want to even understand what it means to be mature people of God, we look first to Jesus as a model. But we also listen to the way that Jesus is interacting with those around him, his disciples, um, the people who are following him, who are reaching out to him for help, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, um, the governmental authorities, all these different people that Jesus is interacting with. And we see that he's challenging all of them to grow up, to mature um, in who he says that they really are. And um, I really loved that journey through Luke of seeing this Jesus that defies our categories and our easy expectations of, of how we think he should behave or what he should say, but instead allow him to lead us to some surprising conclusions. And that brought us uh, right up to Palm Sunday and then Holy Week, and that was right around the time that we really entered into uh, this pandemic that I'm sure almost, at least if not all of us, none of us were really expecting at the beginning of 2020. And so that's when we had to go fully online and we were kind of scrambling to figure out um, what's that going to look like? How do we remain faithful to what it means to be the church when some of the easier forms of gathering and worship aren't available to us? And I think it was really a commendation to this challenge to mature that so many of you stepped up to see that happen. Um, the worship team were incredible in like working around schedules to be able to still come into this place and to record worship, to create um, these moments on Sunday, the sacred space for us to come together. And I was continually reminded through the pandemic, like this isn't the best that church has to offer. I will never, I, as God is my witness, I will never endorse online church just being a very nice replacement for the real thing. It's the best that we can do in the time that we've got, and God is blessing it, and my goodness, he's working through it. Um, but I look forward to the day when we can gather together and without any inhibitions. 
And I hope that when we enter into that time, we won't take it for granted, our ability to gather, to worship together, to, to hear the word of God uh, preached, um, to receive Holy Communion, whatever it might be. Um, and that led us into Easter. And then after Easter, from Easter until Pentecost, we actually continued on in Luke's writings. So Luke uh, told basically, it's kind of Luke part two in uh, the book of Acts. And if Luke 1 is about the earthly ministry of Jesus, Luke 2 is really about the work of the spirit of Jesus in the church that's left behind. Left behind. <laughs> Not in the sense of the, the, uh, the apocalyptic books. But, um, so in original church, we looked at Luke's second book to say, okay, here's the first church. They're, they're gathered around um, the, the message, the good news that Jesus brought. They're um, imbibed with the spirit of Jesus. So what were the practices and rhythms that that first church were taking upon themselves so that they could mature into Christ, so that they could fulfill the job that God had called them to? And so we looked at this, just one little passage in Acts chapter 2 um, for several weeks, just kind of picking apart what are they doing and how does that influence us today? That Not that our job is to replicate what the first church did, but rather to be inspired by their devotion, by their practices. And so we looked at how they centered around the apostles' teaching, um, which we would talk about as the gospel, the good news, and what do we mean when we say that? Um, they were devoted to fellowship, this form of deep community, deep friendship, accountability, co-suffering with one another, um, enjoying one another's company. We talked about the breaking of the bread that we're going to be celebrating here in a moment, that it was through these sacred acts that they were keeping the story of Jesus at the center through this obedience to come time and again to the table rather than drifting off into just kind of, you know, having like nice TED Talks with some you know, music surrounding it or whatever it might be. They devoted themselves to prayer. They recognized that it's about connection with God first and foremost, and we don't do anything without praying, that prayer is tremendously effective in keeping us in loving union with God, but also keeping us devoted to one another. They practice generosity. They gave everything they have uh, to one another. Like if anybody was in need, their needs were met in the community, and we talked about that for us today. And again, even as Jeff reminded us last week, you know, our community, we've um, committed to giving away 10% of our total budget for the year uh, for those in need. And because of your generosity, we, we gave away $25,000 in paying for rent, providing groceries, providing counseling, all these different things, which I think is absolutely amazing. And then finally, we looked at worship, that they came together to sing songs, to ascribe worth uh, to God through beauty, um, and how central that is for us today. So, it was right around the end of that original church series. That was about as far as I felt like I had gotten vision from the Lord at the beginning of the year. And it was right around that time we had been in kind of pandemic mode for a few weeks, trying to figure that out, trying to be good citizens and um, you know, do our best to understand the science and understand what, what it looks like to, to get through this thing when uh, so many other things in our country erupted. Um, there was the uh, 
the shootings of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and others that kind of brought a boiling point to racial tensions in our country. And there were so many avenues to explore of what's going on there, and is this a new phenomenon? Is this things that have always existed in our country, but we've kind of suppressed them and ignored them? Um, the, you know, the political environment was becoming more and more contentious as people are feeling this nervousness. And I think a lot of it, honestly, is because we were at home. We couldn't go about our normal business. So we had maybe more capacity to pay attention. But, I, you know, again, perhaps the Lord was unearthing or uncovering things in that season. And I remember having conversations with our elders, many of whom had, who had just signed on, bless their hearts, at the beginning of a pandemic, and then with all of these national conversations happening, to say, oh my gosh, do we, do we pivot? Do we begin to talk about some of the things that are happening more directly? And as I was praying, I really felt this convic- conviction that we should, in fact, go ahead with preaching about the spiritual gifts, um, or maybe that didn't seem particularly relevant to what was going on in our country, um, to kind of stick with that path, kind of following out of the original church up until Pentecost being about um, the practices of the original church, but then after Pentecost to go, the gifts that we've received through the Spirit of Jesus that empower us to be for the sake of the world, that I actually felt like there may be some really interesting convergence there between what's happening in the world and the way that you and I are equipped to address that, to love people back into the presence of God. So that was our next series, Charismata. We spent weeks pouring over the spiritual gifts, talking about what they are, what do they look like in health and in unhealth, providing um, you know, different ways for you to engage with that content in a way that you can kind of sort through what your, what your primary gifts are. Because I think when, when you understand better the way that God has gifted you uh, to love people back into his presence, that contributes to the conversation about your larger calling. So when you have the language for your gifts when you understand your story, your personality, all of that together begins to speak to your calling. And it was amazing to hear the testimony of so many of you that had these revelations of the gifts that God has given you. First of all, that you are worthy of receiving his gifts, but he also believes you're capable of co-authoring with him the salvation for the whole world. And to see so many of you step into those gifts and own that part of who you are has been so inspiring to me. So we came through to the end of the summer. Um, the pandemic hadn't gotten away from us. Um, the big conversations about race and identity and all these things, like it, didn't, it hadn't gone anywhere. And we were really starting to feel this fatigue that I think a lot of times, especially in a country like ours, where we're so used to instant gratification that things will just change. Um, we were still there and we're like, well, we're, it's, it's all still here. What do we do? And that led us into our next series, which we called What to Do When Everything is Terrible. Um, because we're such an optimistic society, I think it's easy for us to continue to try to paint things in a sunny picture and just keep moving forward, kind of manifest destiny. Like, don't stop, don't slow down, don't examine what's just beneath the surface. And a lot of times that actually does us really well, where we live in a space where we don't have to do that. Uh, but because of everything that's happened in 2020, it's forced us to have to slow down, to reflect, to allow some of those things that are deep within us, our deepest fears and anxieties and our despair, bubble to the surface so that we can actually hand those things off to the Lord. And so this, this, um, this series, What to Do When Everything is Terrible, was about us using some of the ancient wisdom in the Old Testament that 
many of us have never even read before because it seems too weird or off-putting or even maybe a little bit insulting to our conventional wisdom to say, is there actually some sort of deep wisdom there that I haven't been aware of up until this point that maybe speaks to me new ways of opening up my life to God, um, grounding myself in him so that I can stay true uh, in times of trial that I can develop the perseverance necessary to remain faithful to him. And so we looked at some of those strange scriptures. We looked at Job. We looked at Ecclesiastes. We looked at Jeremiah and Lamentations um, and the Psalms of Lament. Uh, we looked at the Psalms of you know, Confession and Repentance. And then we finally looked at the book of Revelation. All the really weird bits of the Bible, but in that seeing, my goodness, there's this ancient tradition that speaks to us on how to stay grounded today. And we began and ended that series with this little passage from Romans chapter five that I think for me, and I hope for you as well, has really become um, a context for what it is that God has been doing in 2021. And I wanna read it again for us today um, in the message version of scripture. This is Romans five, verses one to five. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he's already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to sh shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. I find that so inspiring. This alert expectancy. And I think this is what it means for God to turn curses into blessings for this year. That everything this year that was meant to numb us, to divert us, to try to control us, to keep us separated from God becomes the opportunity for you and I in defiance, which is a lot of the themes for me in Advent of hope, peace, joy, love, being acts of defiance to say, hell no, I'm not going to give in uh, to the pervading sense and culture of despair or hopelessness or meaningless. I am going to continually center myself around God in troubled times and persevere and I'm amazed that so many of you, the way in which you keep fighting, and I love, like as Paul's saying here, it's suffering that produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And I see in many of you a hard-earned hope that has come through persevering, where God is shaping your character so that you look more like Jesus. And so when we keep ourselves grounded in God's presence, and in Jesus' story, even in troubled times, we will persevere. And so today, the question for you and what we're going to hear from some folks in a moment is, what has the Lord done for you in 2020? 
You know, when we give testimony, it's not just us telling our story and at some point God shows up and makes a cameo and stirs some things and then he goes back off to the mountain that he lives in. But testimony is rather, here's the story of what God's doing and this is the way that I was awoken. This is the way my eyes were opened to be able to see that he's been with me this whole time and I have been forever changed by that. And so we asked several people in our community to share what is it that the Lord has done in their lives in 2020. Or even more specifically, if they were present with us at the beginning of the year, what was the word that the Lord gave you and how has it come true? Maybe in ways that you didn't expect. So let's hear from some people in our community about what God has done for them in 2020. Hey, City Beautiful Church. So I was asked to reflect on what the Lord has done in my life this year. And uh, when I think about that question, I think a lot about the work that he's done just in my heart this year. And uh, I thought I would share one of those moments with you. So I was reflecting on what had been um, a long week. It was probably sometime in the middle of this year, uh, which was full of many long weeks. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about work and things going on in the news with the pandemic and um, things going on in my personal relationships and um, it was if I had brought all of that to him in a moment of prayer but it was really just my thoughts running all over the place and a lot of noise and um, he just cut right through it in that moment um, you know in the kindest voice and in the way that only he can um, and he just asked me to come and sit with him you know, like, would you just come and sit with me and be with me? And, um, you know, you can bring all that with you if you want to. But, um, you know, he wasn't asking a lot of me in that moment. He wasn't asking for anything, you know, just for my heart and my mind to quiet a little so that I could actually rest in his presence. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you. For me, it was a beautiful reminder um, that he is not a far off God, but a God that is near to us. And um, I think through moments like this, he showed me again and again this year that, um, yes, in the midst of the chaos and the noise and the reckoning that we are still experiencing, that he is in the midst of it, he is in it, um, and he is near and with us. And, um, you know, he's with us in moments of joy, but I, I know he's especially with us in moments of heartache and despair and when we're feeling crushed or like we hit a wall and um, having questions about, you know, what's going on around us. So um, that was it. Just wanted to share that with you all. Um, I hope you guys have a happy and safe new year and I hope to meet you all soon. Thanks. Hi everyone. Hello. My name is Amethyst. My name is Bear. And when we think about 2020, reflecting upon it, the first and biggest highlight of the year was the fact that we got married. We got married next to the church at Lake Ivanhoe during quarantine. And the quarantine and the lockdown really helped us to slow down, have the conversations that many times when you're newly married, you need to have a lot of conversations. There's a lot of talking through things, getting to know each other. And lockdown really helped us to slow down and have those conversations and probably we had, I think we've gotten a lot more done in that area than if we had gone about life as normal. So I am very thankful for that. That was kind of the silver lining that came out of it. Yeah, I'm very thankful for the times we had to walk our dog, 
taking for long walks around the city, uh, prayer walk, um, exactly what she's talking about, being able to hash out stuff and address things, hold people, uh, hold each other accountable, and, and address any confrontations that we need to address, conflicts, uh, conflict resolution. Uh, but also, on one of our walks, we, we walked past uh, Lake Highland Preparatory School. We went around the backside, and we saw a city beautiful church. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know it was there, and yeah. uh, we we said we'll look them up online. We looked them up online, started listening to sermons, mm-hmm. and we've been praying to find a home church closer to where we live. And we believe God answered our prayers, so I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, very thankful for that. So definitely moving to College Park, getting married, getting a new church. These are all things that we think about and reflect upon 2020. And also uh, thankful for God's provision. Um, we both lost our jobs at the time when COVID-19 hit and they closed down the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but we scrambled very quickly. Uh, as she says, we, we powerfully, we pivoted. Mm-hmm. And um, in that, you know, I found some new jobs. She found some freelance work. And God was able to provide, but also in that flexibility, uh, there were times where I couldn't find work or I wasn't getting enough and she was bringing in the bulk of the income. Mm-hmm. But then vice versa, there was times where she, all of a sudden, some of her job would dry up and then I would have more work. And just seeing how God uh, used both of us uh, to support one another during that time, uh, I think was really beautiful. And I think it helped it helped us trust each other more because there were, there were some personal questions we had about, you know, can this person rise to the occasion? And, and I think... God showed that we both can be faithful uh, to what he gives us and we can trust each other in this process. Yeah, so ultimately we feel like 2020 was a victory even though it was a tough year for so for us and for so, so many, but it was a victory. So thank you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Hi, Sid Beautiful fam. My name is Johnny and the word that God gave me for this past year was freedom. Um, I came to uh, City Beautiful through the NA meetings I've been attending. Um, Last year, a friend of mine in one of the meetings invited me to come to the Christmas Eve service, and it was love at first sight. I've been going ever since. But um, as far as freedom goes, you know, um, you know, I work a 12-step program now. And what God has shown me through that is... That freedom has a lot to do with discipline and commitment and hard work and uh, really taking a good look at yourself and um, making better decisions, making the right decisions. Before an act of addiction, I thought freedom meant I could do whatever I want, and that's exactly what I did. But all that ever led to was chaos and fractured relationships with the people I loved. Um, It just ruined my life. Uh, And I totally imprisoned myself in my own addiction. And that was not freedom at all. It was exactly the opposite. And nowadays, you know, if I sound silly, but like if I hear a police siren, um, I don't get paranoid. I don't go into psychosis like they're after me. Um, I don't, you know, get scared it's just i know that's something very small but it means a lot to me for something as simple as a police car to pull up next to me and me not even take a double take um i can even wave at the police officer because i know 
that, um, you know, not being an active addiction, I have nothing to worry about. Um, and, uh, little things like that have been, uh, very liberating for me and, um, and has, uh, helped me to find, um, joy in life again. And, and that's what God has shown me about freedom. So, um, I hope uh, it speaks to someone out there anyway. Um, I hope everyone has had a happy holiday and uh, much love to everybody. Okay. Good morning, City Beautiful Church. I'm really grateful for all of you. I'm really grateful for the birth of Jesus. And I'm grateful for the opportunity today to share my testimony of what the Lord has done for me in 2020. 2020 started off really hard, even without the pandemic, and then the pandemic happened. And everything I took for granted, going to church, going to concerts, going on vacation, evaporated in an instant. And my word for the year was light. And I was under the mistaken impression that it would be a lighter, breezier year. It was not light and breezy at all. The trauma of isolation, the really big isolation that I did in the beginning, it brought up a lot of other traumas that I had allowed myself to bury for years and years. And I was able to successfully distract myself for a little while. And then so much happened that there came a point where I could no longer distract myself anymore. And I was forced to really open up about the things that were bothering me for the first time, maybe ever. And thankfully around that time, I cried out to God and said, I can't do this anymore. It was at that time where I signed up for therapy again. And we also decided to start smaller house churches for a few months. And the people I got teamed up with at the house church gatherings were a life preserver for me. They were an anchor for me when I didn't have anything to hold on to. And Jesus was there in the center of it too. And within my own neighborhood as well, people showed me radical hospitality and radical forgiveness and acceptance that I wasn't expecting, that I didn't even ask for, but the Lord knew that I needed and I was able to let others into the messiest, scariest, most broken places of my heart to shine a light upon them and for them to say, I love you anyway. Like, I will love you in this. And I want to be there for you, even in the hard, difficult stuff. And my story's not over by any stretch of the imagination, but that's the good news is that my story's not over and so Jesus is still working and he gave me the grace to persevere through this year and I can't wait to see what he'll do in 2021. What's up City Beautiful fam? This is Shav from Tribe Orlando. I just wanna say happy new year and happy holidays. And to take my own minute to reflect on my 2020, my word, which was Roots. And I don't know if the January 2020 version of Shav knew exactly what that would mean, but what I am certain of is that this year, like no other, 
has given me not only the time uh, personally to get back to my roots, to celebrate my culture and my experience, to allow those things to be celebrated in my life and in my heart, but also as a community for us to go back to the roots of what it is that we're building on and make sure that we're secure, make sure that we're firmly planted. And like a year that no one could have ever expected, I'm sure 2020 has been revealing to many of you as well. And if you'd allow me as an outsider looking in to kind of take a second and speak to what I've experienced or witnessed from your community, one word kind of kept coming to my mind and to my heart, and that's courage. 2020, I believe, has sent you guys into spaces that maybe you never imagined yourselves being, but you've done so with great courage. It's required great courage to be able to step and to stay in spaces of praise and protest. It's required great courage to deal with and sit with the tension of very real, very uncomfortable topics and situations that this year has brought to the forefront. It took and required a great amount of courage for you to continue to meet virtually for as long as you did and to continue to do to make sure that your entire community feels safe and seen. I think it takes an incredible amount of courage to continue to be out in front and to lead in a way that I believe the city is so in need of. Um, I don't know if courage always feels like the way we imagine it to, or even the way that we see it depicted in like film and TV and stories. Because what we know in life is that courage isn't when everything is good and fear just runs out the back door because you're so courageous and not even fear is afraid of you. But most of the time, it's not fearlessness that equals courage. It's a people group or a person who decides that in spite of their very much being very real fear or concern present, that you decide to do what is right even when everything does seem terrible. When everything seems to be going wrong or where everyone else is paralyzed by fear, courage is that thing, that action that actually mobilizes us to move anyway. And I've seen you be courageous all year. There's stories and experiences that maybe people in your community have not heard of yet or do not know about, but I am sure that this year has required you to be more courageous than you ever imagined yourself to be. So for those of you who have uh, quiet or unspoken or unshared uh, stories and experiences that have required great courage, I just want you to know that it fits in perfectly for what this community has been all through 2020. And looking forward to 2021, what I believe is that I hope and what I pray, if you would allow me to do it this way, what I pray is that in 2021, God would bring more opportunity for that courage to be exercised, that there'd be more opportunity in spaces where your courage would make people feel safe, seen, known, and loved, that your courage to continue to move in spite of discomfort or even fear or whatever other paralyzing agent is present, what I believe is that your courage is making room for you, that as you become brave, a whole people group are waiting for you. And what I also believe is that our city continues to be made beautiful by people like you who continue to run out in front. What I hope that I can be is a friend. What I hope that I can be is a neighbor. What I hope that I could be is a brother. I'm so thankful for you and your community. I pray that 2021 would do things in and for you that you've never imagined.
I pray God's grace and peace all over you, his kindness chase you down, and may love abound in your community and in your hearts. I'll see you guys soon. I hope it's encouraging for you to hear from people, you know, that aren't half a world away. They're not, you know, famous bloggers and writers and podcasters. They're people that are in your community, many of whom you know, or maybe you've at least just seen them across the room or you've seen them online and you've kind of wondered. We need those kinds of stories. The book of Revelation itself tells us that it's the testimony of the saints um, that holds us to faithfulness to God right now because we see what he's doing in other people's lives. And like Mary in that first reading from Luke, we say, wow, if he's done it before and if he did it for that person, he can do it for me as well. So I wanna encourage you to take time this week uh, to reflect. And then I want you to have the courage to be able to reach out to each other. Someone that's you know, tuning in online right now, somebody that you know and love in our community and go, hey, can I tell you the story of what God's done? Can I share with you the word he gave me at the beginning of the year um, and talk about how that's come true in ways that I never could expect? And so as we uh, prepare to be sent forth from this digital space that we're in right now, I wanted to bring us to the table, um, to what we call the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, the gifts. There's a lot of different language for what this is, but throughout time, uh, the entire Christian story, it's been the table that's at the center of our worship because it reorients us back to Jesus, his story, and the life that we're called to live because of what he's accomplished for us. And we even find this in, uh, in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth when he's telling them what this meal is really about. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I'm so enamored with this idea that remembrance for the Jewish people wasn't, oh yeah, let's remember this thing that God did a couple thousand years ago. It wasn't that nice. Remembrance means let's tell the stories of the past to invite that inspiration to, to root itself in the present. So let's make true what was then true now. And so when you and I, when we come to the table in remembrance, as whenever you do this, and as often as you do this, we do it in remembrance, not just of what Christ has done, but in rem to call into the present moment what Christ is doing today. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want you just, as we've been talking through this, I'm sure you've been thinking about um, different things that the Lord had spoken over you or the things that he had done for you. And I want you just to, to kind of, in your mind's eye, come to the Lord's table with that as a, as a thanksgiving offering to say, God, thank you so much for what you have done for me this year. And I'm gonna pray um, that as we do this in remembrance, we're taking what was true in the past, we're calling it into the present to give us confidence so that we can anticipate a future with hope. And so Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for every word that you've spoken over us in 2020, 
for every action, for every way that you have loved us directly and, and through one another. I thank you for the things that you've shifted in our priorities, for the ways that you've miraculously shown up in order to provide for us or to protect us, where you've spoken wisdom to us, where you've changed the trajectory of many of our lives uh, in leading us into new understandings of your faithfulness to us, but then also leading us into new directions in life, maybe things, jobs, relationships, life situations that we wouldn't normally have stumbled into on our own. And God, as I pray, as we gather around your table, even in this digital space, in remembrance of Christ and all he has accomplished for us, in this faithful act of your holy sacraments, may those things that have been true be true once again. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bless this bread and this cup, that they would be for us living memory, living mystery of Jesus Christ who lives in us, through us, and among us. And it is in his strong and blessed name that we pray. Amen. Let's come to the table. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.